أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد. So today uh, we uh, uh, take a look at a new book uh, written by Hazrat Sheikh Mulana Zakaria رحمه الله تبارك وتعالى. Um, which is his autobiography. Um, his autobiography, um, which is published under the name Abiti, which unimaginatively means autobiography, or to uh, uh, see oneself, uh, looking at oneself. Um, it's a really interesting book. And it's five volumes, the six, uh, five volumes and one sixth volume, which is as long as the other five. And the sixth volume is completely... Uh, dedicated to Tasawwuf, and it's like one of the most amazing b- books possible. It's quite interesting that actually the the first five volumes were translated, and the sixth volume was omitted uh, by the translator for whatever reason, uh, uh, ostensibly because people didn't want Hazrat Shaykh's name to be um, associated with all these stories of the Sufis and things like that. Uh, but interestingly enough, the sixth volume... Uh, it's just ma'dun uh, al-asrar. It's like a mind that all these secrets and and just gems uh, are pulled out from spiritual uh, uh, um, gems and, and mysteries are revealed in. And uh, so uh, I believe a South African translator translated the sixth volume as well. And you know, Desi translations aren't the best in the world. And when you get translations from England and South Africa, they have some kind of weird forms of English, at least they seem weird to us in America, but uh, whoever wishes to get the khair from them, uh, they can. Uh, and the uh, the sixth volume of the Abiti um, is just something amazing. Anyone who has the time, you know, has any sort of inclination to any matter spiritual, I promise you, you will pick up the book and you will not be able to put it down until you're done. Uh, and it's, 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 a, it's a sizable book, something about nearly 500 pages. So there was some part, uh, uh, some tracks and excerpts of this book that I wanted to take a look at uh, uh, that start with a discussion with regards to what tasawwuf is, according to Mulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi, rahimullah ta'ala. For those of, uh, for those of you who uh, uh, listened to yesterday's majlis, uh, Mulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi is uh, one of the khulafa of Haji Imdadullah al-Muhajir al-Makki, rahimullah ta'ala, uh, who was spoke, spoken about yesterday, and he's also one of the uh, um, w- one of the founders of the Darul Uloom in Deoband, uh, and, and a very significant figure, <coughs> a very significant figure in the preservation of knowledge, especially the transmission of hadith, both in the Indian subcontinent and around the world. So, Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria, rahimahullah ta'ala, he writes uh, that Shah Abdul Haq, al Muhaddith al Dehlawi rahimahullah ta'ala who was a, a, a muhaddith of Dili before Shah Waliullah so we're, we're looking at the late Mughal period uh, he writes in Ashatul Lami'at in Ihsan there's an indication toward actual Tasawwuf and all those things towards which the Shaykh of Tasawwuf invites is based upon it 
the idea of ihsan which is mentioned in the hadith of Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salam um, in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam tells him that ihsan is uh, uh, which literally I mean from a sarf point of view it means to make something beautiful ihsan in deen means to worship Allah ta'ala as if you see him and if, if you can't see him then at least to know that he sees you he further states, although the knowledge of hadith deserves and holds a position above all others, the sawf is in fact the explanation of the Qur'an and hadith. Alama Shami uh, ibn Abidin. So this is a strange thing amongst the Hanafis. There are two uh, large uh, uh, collections of fatawa uh, 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 and, and ahkam. Um, the, the, the one of Alama ibn Abidin who was uh, attributed to Sham. Uh, it's known by its name, Dur uh, al-Muhtar, uh, in the western lands of the Hanafis. And the uh, fatawa collections in the, in, in the Indian subcontinent, the fatawa Alamgiriya and the fatawa Tatarkhaniya, Qazi Khan, these are known by their, the names of their musannifin. But the Indian fatawa are known in the in the Arab lands as the Fatawa Hindiya, and the uh, Ibn Abidin's work is known in the Indian lands as uh, as, as the as as, as Shami, uh, and so uh, he's referred to in the the books of the uh, of, of the Desi Ulama generally as Shami. So Shami says this, Shami says that. Shami is who is Ibn Abidin. Alama Shami writes: Tariqa means implementing the orders of the Sharia, while the Sharia means the external actions. These two. And haqiqa, all three of these things are indispensable to one another. Hazrat Gangohi writes in his Makatib, Sharia is obligatory to follow and is the first objective. Tariqa is the internally implemented Sharia, while haqiqa and ma'rifa, reality and gnosis, are the complements and completion of the Sharia, to, to, to taste those things as reality and to know them in the heart. The performance of all Sharia acts diligently and completely is not possible without Marifa, without the gnosis of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The book by Mulana Wasiullah is quite extensive, quite an extensive treatise with long quotations. In it, the author discusses Tasawwuf, the need for Bay'ah and its preconditions at length. Even to write a synopsis of it concisely will require quite a few pages. Similarly, Mulana Ashiq Ilahi in his biography of Hazrat Gangohi, uh, Volume 2, deals with the topic of haqiqa and its needs in considerable detail. Mulana Ashiq Ilahi, Rahimullah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. There's two Ashiq Ilahis. One is the Mulana Ashiq Ilahi of Merit, and the other is uh, the one of, uh, of Bulansher. Uh, the, the former is, uh, who I, I assume, assume is being referred to, he's the elder of the two. He's one gener or two one or two generations earlier, whereas the Mulana Ashikilahi of Bulansher, rahimullah taala, he is um, buried in Medina Munawwara and he lived in Medina Munawwara, and he is one of the Khulafa of uh, Hazrat Sheikh Mulana Zakaria, rahimullah taala. So he's not quoting his student; he's quoting his elder and, and possibly teacher. He writes Mulana Ashikilahi writes uh, in the biography of Hazrat Gangohi dealing with the topic of Hakika. That suluk or one's travel to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means building up of the internal and external acts of a man and to make the heart become accustomed to the obedience of Allah ta'ala in such a manner that to follow the path indicated by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa becomes one second nature without any difficulty. Um, and that's very easy to say, but what does it mean? It means that 
those parts of the deen that a person doesn't naturally incline to. Person naturally inclines to eating and drinking all the time, toward their sexual desires, toward the love of fame, the love of wealth, toward uh, being able to do what he wants without having to worry about uh, consequences or justice or all of these things. Um, you ha- you know you have to basically take a wrecking crew, go inside of the heart, destroy all of the the kind of facet and 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 ruined parts of the heart and rebuild them again, remodel them again in a beautiful way. But in order to do that, it requires some, uh, uh, some, some, some harsh uh, work from the wrecking crew to take, take down all of the nonsense that, that's there from before. Tasawwuf is actual iman and nothing else. It is that iman toward which every Muslim aspires, on the condition that its essence is granted to one's heart. It is the faith which Rasulullah wasallam had taught the world. You will find a sick person has no desire for eating but has to force himself to eat on the orders of his doctor in order to give strength to his body. Then there is another person who is completely healthy and takes his meal having desire for food. In eating, uh, in the eating process, both of them are equal. However, the one who eats out of desire of food and the other one is forcibly fed. So what if you're sick? You're not going to want to take it, but you have to be forced to, to eat. Um, that's the process of... What of bringing a sick person back to health? That's also the process of bringing sick heart into the fold of, of tasawwuf and into the fold of deen. And in such a way, tasawwuf is uh, the misdaq of the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. La yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna hatta afwan yakunu hawahu That one of you will not perfect his faith until his desires uh, uh, become or are made conformant to that which I brought or that which I I came with. Similarly, one person will make ibadah after having to be forced to do so, while another does the same thing because his own heart desires him to be involved with the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. This latter healthy state is called tariqah, which is attained by his heart and the spiritual food he consumes is shari'ah. To illustrate this, Mulana Ashiq Ilahi Rahimullah Ta'ala quoted a piece written by Hazrat Gangohi Rahimullah, in which he, which he wrote at some time during his early days. Quote, The knowledge of the Sufis is a name given to the inner and outer aspects of knowledge of deen, and strong yaqeen or conviction. This, real, uh, higher, this is the real higher knowledge. To attain the condition of the Sufis requires the correcting of character and to remain at all times attached to Allah Ta'ala. The aim of tasawwuf is to attract yourself to the attributes of Allah Ta'ala. It is to choose His intentions and to be busy with that which pleases Him. The akhlaq toward which the Sufis are striving is, a, is the very akhlaq of the Prophet ﷺ, regarding which Allah Ta'ala Himself said, Verily you are on the highest pinnacle of the best character. It is also this character and these uh, morals which have been taught in the hadith. The morals of the Sufis are these. To consider, so he'll name a, a number of foundations of, of, of tasawwuf, which is not, again, a separate group, but a summary of how the person's heart, a person who's a Muslim, based on the sunnah, how their heart should be. The morals of the Sufis are these. To consider yourself lower than all others, the opposite of which is to have pride and arrogance. To treat others with respect and to show respect and sympathy. To bear the attacks of others with patience. To deal with others with softness and humility. To discard anger. To have sympathy with one's fellow man. 
to give others the rights due to them, to be charitable and to pardon others, to appear before them with a pleasant face, to discard all artificial exhibition of emotions. Right? To discard what? All artificial exhibition of emotions. To be sincere. This is basically to be real. To be sincere. Many ikhlas that you do for Allah Ta'ala and for no other reason other than Him. To trust in Allah Ta'ala at the time of problems. To be satisfied with little from this world. To have piety. What does piety mean? Piety means that you render everybody's right to them as soon as it's due. To have piety. To avoid arguments and fights except for in the case of the haq, of the truth. To be devoid of hatred, jealousy, envy. And to have dislike for pomp or showing off for name and fame. To carry out what you promise and to have love and friendship with your brothers. Meaning what? That when you're friends with one another, you love them and you treat them like somebody you love rather than splitting checks with one another with one another, and everybody's looking out for their own good, but just doing it at the same time in the same space. To have love and friendship with your brothers and to be grateful to your benefactors, to be grateful to those who did good to you. The Sufi trains is internal and external, and the Sawaf is the name given to that program of training. It teaches one to turn his face away from everyone except for Allah, and to be negligent of his glory is the greatest sin. And this is quoted from the Tadkiratul Rashid of Mulana Ashikilahi. In these few lines, Hazrat Gangohi has written down what many other shaykhs of the science of tariqah have taken many volumes to explain. Once on the 6th of Ramadan, 1322, while sitting under a galore tree, Hazrat Gangohi rahimullah ta'ala said a few words which were written down by Mulana Barakatullah Sahib. The aim of all zikr and shughal, zikr is obviously the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, and shughal are, ashghal are the, the spiritual exercises that, that, peop, that the, the Sufis do. The aim of every zikr and every shughal, as well as the muraqabat, is to acquire ma'rifah. Right? Muraqaba is what? It's uh, meditation, ma'rifah is gnosis, to know Allah Ta'ala. The aim of all dhikr and every shughal, as well as all the muraqabat, all of the meditations, is to acquire the ma'rifah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the gnosis of Allah ta'ala's omnipresence, to have inside of one the state that wherever they walk around, uh, and whatever their state is by day or by night, whatever they're doing, whether it's private or public, that they always uh, are aware of Allah ta'ala's omnipresence. It's with them, it's something that they're not absent from at all. By the way, this is what Allah Ta'ala means when He says, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ تَضَرُّعًا وَخِيفَةً وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ بِالْغُدُوِّ وَالْآصَالِ وَلَا تَكُونُوا مِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ Remember your Lord inside your very being, uh, in humility and in fear. وَدُونَ الْجَهْرِ مِنَ الْقَوْلِ in a way that's even more subtle than, than, than saying something. Because there are some, the Azkar, many of them, they involve reading the Qur'an or, or moving your lips or saying something, saying the divine name uh, or, or the divine attributes or La ilaha illallah or subhanallah or all these other adhkar that are mentioned in the, uh, uh, that are mentioned in the kitab and sunnah. This is, this is what the aim of all of these things, repeating them again and again, is to uh, acquire the realization of Allah Ta'ala's omnipresence so that it never leaves you, right? It's something even more subtle than, than, than speech. 
بالغدوي والعصال in the morning and the night ولا تكونوا من الغافلين this لا تكونوا is grammatically nahi it's a uh, 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 it's a prohibition that you are not allowed ever even for a moment or for an instant to, to be heedless of him uh, and to get to that state requires some it requires some work, doesn't it? It's not like everybody's just born with that. Some people, uh, in a, on an exceptional basis, may be like that. The rest of us, we all have to work toward getting that to that state. This is the point of this is the point of uh, uh, Sufism. Some people have explained this presence as being of two degrees. Firstly, that the name of Allah Taala becomes inscribed in the mind. Thereafter, it becomes each easier to reach reach unto Him. Prescriptions of doing different adhikar and exercises for 40 days or other exercises which the elders have devised with, uh, is with this in mind that no other being should attain any importance in one's mind just as it is inscribed in his mind that I am I. Just like you're always aware of who you are, you should always be aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the point of all the different spiritual exercises that the mashayikh prescribed um, through, through, through the centuries. Initially, the shaykhs used to direct all their efforts at eradicating bad character so that this objective may be easily attained. The later shaykhs, especially the shaykhs of our silsila, have preferred that that dhikr be made so profusely and so much that bad akhlaq becomes drowned and overpowered. Bad character becomes drowned and overpowered. There are ten characteristics amongst all others which make up bad akhlaq or bad character, but the shaykhs have mentioned one of them for special note, which is kibber or pride, uh, pride and arrogance. They maintain that if this one is eradicated, all of the other ones will disappear by the wayside. And this is uh, something that's clear as day to anyone who uh, uh, understands the book of Allah or the, the, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It's the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that uh, none of you will uh, uh, enter Jannah as long as they have even a mustard seed, meaning a, a, an infinitesimally minute amount of arrogance inside of their, their heart. The idea is what if someone has a little bit of arrogance but they're uh, also a Muslim? And the answer to that question is that they, they'll have that arrogance burned out of them in the fire. Will billah, Allah Ta'ala be our protection. And once that arrogance and that pride is burned out of them in the fire, then they'll be admitted into Jannah. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq of cleansing it ourselves in this world so that we don't have to see or smell or hear the screams of the people of the fire, see the fire, smell the fire, taste the fire, touch the fire. Allah Ta'ala protect us all. A certain person who was the respected leader of his people resided in the company of uh, Shaykh Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimahullah ta'ala for 20 years. At the end of the period, he said, Shaykh, throughout this long period, I have not gained anything from you. Shaykh Junaid realized that the man, uh, that he has a man with arrogance in him and said to him, All right, do one thing. Take a basket of walnuts and sit at the door. And walnuts used to be very expensive in the old days, and they were considered somewhat of a delicacy. Even to this day, it's a very healthy food to eat, and they're not, you know, super cheap. It's obviously, you know, buy a bag of walnuts is going to be more expensive than buying a bag of chips. So he said, take a bag of walnuts and sit down at the door. Then shout loudly, whoever will give me one kick with his shoes, for them there will be one walnut. Go on doing this, and when your basket is empty, come to me. The man said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. I can never do something like that. Shaykh Junaid said, The shahada that you have uttered is a blessed one. So blessed that even if a kafir sinner of 70 years of age should recite it with sincerity, he will become a believer. 
but by saying that, you have become a disbeliever in the path of the tariqah, in the path of tasawwuf. Get out of here, you will never attain anything. Meaning what he identified, he identified that the reason this person never benefited was because his pride and his arrogance would never let him do what he needed to in order to benefit. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this is the calamity of the age that we live in. That people are ready to give their opinions about a hundred things, they're ready to give their opinions not just about tariqah, about fiqh, about everything. Uh, but they're not willing to learn. And remember we said that a person only reaches a state of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala after the wrecking crew of great mujahadat and sacrifices and struggle and, 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 and riyadat and ashghal, uh, 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 spiritual exertion and, 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 and dhikr and all of these different things. Only after that does the wrecking crew destroy the, what was there in the heart from before and build it up anew uh, upon the, based upon the model and the blueprints of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. The problem is nobody wants to go through that and everybody wants to give their opinion. Uh, and so if this one man uh, uh, at least sat in the company of Imam Junaid ta'ala for 20 years before having his uh, uh, sickness diagnosed with precision, uh, unfortunately we have a qawm of people that... that uh, you know, uh, just want to uh, uh, read a couple of tweets and Facebook posts and then uh, they themselves become the Mashaikh. You can see why this is a fail from the very beginning. Sheikh Junaid then gave him the name of another Sheikh, saying that a certain person stayed with him a long time and in the end he complained of not having found the condition in his heart corrected. Whereupon the Sheikh said, My brother, by correction of your heart, what was your intention? The man replied, Shaykh, my aim was that whatever I was to gain from you, I want to convey to others. The Shaykh told him, that is enough. The intention of yours is the cause of all the problems. You have already made the intention of becoming some eminent Shaykh. Take this foolish notion out of your mind and put this in your mind that it is my duty to thank Allah Ta'ala for all of His favors upon me. Hazrat Gangohi uh, continues. So this last story is the story of Hazrat Gangohi, not of Imam Junaid. Hazrat Gangohi continued, We can thus see that all people who perform dhikr and shughul or salat, that perform the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala or exertions in the way of Allah Ta'ala or prayer with the aim of attaining uh, benefit are foolish indeed, their intentions are wrong. What benefit do they seek? What reward do they seek? Allah has given us this body, ears, eyes, nose, and tongue. And we should first thank Him for all of these powers. First we should go uh, and do that. And then we should think about being able to benefit uh, for others or gain reward. So he says, is not saying, obviously, that you're not supposed to benefit others or that you should not seek reward. Obviously, all of these things are objectives of the sunnah as well. But the first objective of learning is not to give khutbahs. The first objective of learning is not so that you can retweet or share on Facebook or, or, or save the world or all of, all of these other things. Allah Ta'ala who created the world from nothing, He saves it in every instant. He doesn't need you and me uh, in order to do anything for Him. This idea of that we're going to go out and you know save souls or whatever, this is a very Christian missionary type idea. Allah Ta'ala doesn't, doesn't need, He didn't need any of us and He didn't use any of us in creating anything. He doesn't need any of us or use any of us in sustaining all of these things. The first, the first debt a person should work to uh, uh, pay off is the debt of gratitude that they owe to Allah Ta'ala as a person themselves. If they're engrossed in that, they become proficient in it, uh, at least uh, comparatively or at least to some degree. 
then all of these other things will come with great barakah uh, uh, and with great blessings. If a person hasn't mastered that or in some cases hasn't even given attention to that, then how are they going to help anybody else? How are they going to help anybody else? At this stage, Hafiz Zahid Hassan asked, Hazrat, what does, uh, what do, uh, does what you have just said mean? That one should remain busy in zikr and nothing else? He replied, yes. And the fara'id and the sunnah mu'akkada. Uh, only the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala gives benefit to one's life. All the rest causes harm. If anyone cannot do so wholeheartedly, he should uh, do so with his tongue alone. Even that is not without any benefit. At this stage, Hafiz Zahid Hassan asked, Hazrat, what does what you just said mean that one should only remain busy in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala and nothing else? He replied, yes, the dhikr of Allah and the fara'id and the sunan mu'akkada. Only the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala gives benefit to one's life. All the rest causes harm. If anyone cannot do so wholeheartedly, he should do so with his tongue alone. Even that is not without any benefit. Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria continues, Perhaps I've already quoted uh, this saying of Hazrat Gangohi somewhere else in the Abbiti, in my uh, autobiography. The story of the autobiography is that uh, I mean, Hazrat Shaykh was busy in his scholarly works for most of his life. There was a fit in which he wasn't allowed to uh, uh, strain his eyes by reading. Uh, and so he dictated in a, in a um, temporary mode of sightlessness, he dictated the book. The book was was written down by dictation. Perhaps I've already quoted this saying of Hazrat Gangohi rahimullah ta'ala somewhere else in the Abbiti. Once Hazrat Gangohi came walking to the Khanqah after having had his afternoon meal. As he entered, he asked, is anyone else here? My father answered, yes, Yahya and Ilyas are here. This is Mulana Yahya, the father of Mulana Zakaria, and Mulana Ilyas, the uncle of Mulana Zakaria and the, the Amir of Tabligh, obviously before he was the Amir of Tabligh. Hazrat Gangohi, as he entered, asked, is anyone here? My father answered, yes, Yahya and Ilyas are here. Rahimahumullah ta'ala wa qaddasallahu asrarahuma. Hazrat Gangohi said, listen to me carefully. No matter how unmindful you are during the time when you mention Allah's name, it never goes without having some benefit. It never goes without having some benefit. And this is, by the way, a trick of shaitan and a trick of the nafs ultimately that cheats a great number of people out of dhikr. That they what? They say, well, I'm, I it's hard for me to be mindful. My mind wanders and strays. What's the point of it? What did Hazrat Gangohi, who was the Qutb al-Aqtab in his time, what did he say? He said that once he entered into the Khanqa after having his afternoon meal, as he entered, he asked, is anybody here? My father answered, yes, Yahya and Ilyas are here. Hazrat Gangohi rahimullah ta'ala said, listen to me carefully. No matter how unmindful you are during the time when you mention Allah's name, know that it does not go without any beneficial effect. There is one other thing which I have seen in the lives of my elders, Hazrat Shaykh writes, that is the love for their Shaykhs was exceptional. I have already quoted that Hazrat Tanwi. Uh, 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 I already quoted Hazrat Tanwi in my book entitled "Strike," where he quotes Mulana Siddiq Ahmad Ambetawi, rahimullah taala, one of Hazrat Gangohi's khulafa, who said, "In our silsila, in our order, benefit is derived to jazb, not suluk. Benefit is derived through what the attraction that a person has." And the love that a person has that overwhelms them, that pulls them toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not necessarily by the, the, the dhikr that they do or the, the, 
the, the difficulties that they go through, the mujahadat and all of these other things. Although those things have benefit as well. But the overwhelming kafiyah or condition of love that a person receives, that is what, what, what makes things happen for a person in their heart and our, in our tradition. I have seen this great love myself and have read about it again and again in the people's biographies. For example, Hazrat Gangohi rahimullah ta'ala never ate pan. He never ate pan is, for those of you who don't know, pan is a very unfortunate habit of uh, 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 the people of the Indian subcontinent, particularly the, those people who are the native speakers of Urdu. Um, there's a long story behind it, which I'm not going to waste your time with, but essentially it's the leaf of a plant which is filled with other carcinogens and sometimes tobacco. And people chew it and it makes their teeth red and it kind of degrades their the 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 enamel in their teeth as well. Uh, so Hazrat Gangohi never ate ban. Uh, uh, but he used a spittoon because from time to time when coughing, uh, 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 some phlegm used to come up and he spit it out. On one ca- occasion, Hazrat Sheikh Al-Hind quietly took his spittoon outside, washed it and drank water from it. So someone might say, uh, that's really gross. And uh, honestly, Vahiran from the outward uh, uh, from the outward form of it, it is gross, and one would be forgiven for thinking that's gross. Uh, and even even in the in the story, Hazrat Sheikh Al Hind, what did he do? He washed it first. But the idea is, why did he drink from it? Because of love. Because he loved his Sheikh for the sake of Allah Taala. Sheikh Al Hind, mashallah, is an amazing person. Inshallah, we'll ha- we'll have one uh, night where we speak about him. Alimushan. Uh, a person of so many uh, beauties and a person of so many uh, 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 perfections uh, uh, who had so much fikr for the ummah uh, um, uh, that, that he really is a hero of, of, of Islam in this last century. Uh, he really is a hero of Islam in the last century and he is the, uh, the fruit of the efforts of, of so many of these mashayikh that we, we mentioned that someone like him could be alive and could, um, could do so much for the ummah. And so see him, how, how did he love his sheikh? That he used to wash his spittoon and drink from it. Why? Not because it's a sunnah to drink from the spit cup of your sheikh. Not because, um, you know, if you drink from it, you'll fly or you'll go straight to Jannah or that it's a part of the deen even. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Just because he loved his sheikh. And to love the Ahlullah is part of the deen. You don't have to drink from the spit cup if you don't want to. In fact, if you don't feel the love in it that, that so much that it overwhelms that another person would be disgusted and you have the feeling that I want to drink from this, um, if you don't feel that, then don't fake it. Uh, fake it till you make it works on a lot of things. Uh, in, 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 in certain reaches of tasawwuf, that will uh, fake it till you make it will completely end up becoming your destruction. It doesn't work all the time. But for the person who sees that, you know, there's sometimes, uh, um, you know, the old mashaykh, they mentioned something that I received... Uh, such and such blessing from Allah Ta'ala from the barakah of my shaykh's shoes. From the barakah of my shaykh's shoes. People think, oh, these are Persian-speaking or Ajami-speaking people. These are just literary embellishments that they and flourishes that they have. Um, what's the big deal in carrying their shaykh's shoes? What Do you worship your shaykh's shoes? Or is there some sort of barakah? Is this some kind of weird bid'ah thing that uh, you know Desi people have because they don't speak Arabic and they don't understand the Qur'an? Far be it from that. These are people who are Masters of the ulum zahiran wa batinan and the, the ulama of the Arabs also uh, bear witness to their excellence in, 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 in knowledge. 
the 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 muhaddithin and ulama of the Arab lands. Mashallah, these people, Hazrat Sheikh Rashid Ahmad Gangohi and Mona Qasim Nanotwi, Sheikh Al Hind, um, they were people who uh, they're people who uh, the Arab mashayikh have great respect for them. Sayyid Al uh, Sayyid uh, Muhammad bin Alawi Al Maliki, rahimahullah Taala. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the Maliki uh, Sheikh of Makkah Mukarramah, who just passed away uh, um, in the 2000s, uh, and a man of, uh, of, of who commands uh, uh, almost universal respect amongst the ulama of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, uh, Sidi Alawi al Maliki, he used to wear a green turban that he said was gifted to his father by uh, Sheikh al Hind Ta'ala with great reverence. Why would he wear that for like weirdo people? Uh, um, these people are people who had great uh, a great maqam, mashallah. Why did he feel that love? Because drinking from the spit cup may may or not be part of the deen. It's not part of the deen. But what is part of the deen? The love of the, the Ahlullah and the love of the, the people who you derive benefit from in the deen and the love of the mashayikh and the love of the guardians of, of, of the book of Allah Ta'ala and its ulum, the love of the guardians of the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam their ulum, the love of the guardians of the spiritual state of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and its subsidiary sciences and knowledges. Uh, to love them is what? It's, it's an act of deen and it's an act of deen unlike others. Why? Because the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he said what? Al-mar'u ma'aman ahabba. A man will be with the one he loves. Literally, a Bedouin asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam after seeing how amazing the, the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum were in Medina Munawwara, he asked a question, he literally asked a question, Al-mar'u yuhibbu qawman walamma yalhaq bihim. What do you say, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, alayka salatu wasallam, what do you say about a man who loves the people but is was not able to be like them and is still not able to be like them meaning that they're totally like uh, 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 flying in the air in terms of how amazing their, their station is with Allah Ta'ala and they're totally out of reach what did Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam respond with? Al-Mar'u Ma'aman Ahabba a man will be with who? with the ones that he loves with the one that he loves and so this is what what uh, 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 Mu'ana Siddiq Ahmed Ambetui Rahimullah Ta'ala Hazrat Gangoi's Khulafa I said, in our order, in our silsila, benefit is derived through jazb, not through suluk. It's derived through that love that completely sucks a person in, rather than uh, through a person's own actions. And that's not to say that the actions aren't useful, but what? It's the love itself that drives the actions, and it's the love that will, will fulfill a person's account with Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, eventually. And this is also a principle that's based on the sunnah. He said, I have seen this great love myself and have read about it in their biographies. For example, Hazrat Gangohi never ate pan, but used a spittoon, because from time to time when coughing, some phlegm used to come up, which was spat out. On one occasion, Hazrat Sheikh Al-Hind quietly took the spittoon outside, washed it and drank water from it. Why? Because he saw it and it reminded him of his sheikh, and that love it caused him to do this. Not because this thing itself is part of our saluk, it's not. It's the, the, this thing is, him doing this thing is what? It's a symptom of the root cause, which is what? That he loved his sheikh so much. And, you know, like, like we were saying, some people say, I derive such and such benefit from the shoes of my sheikh. Um, well, uh, you know, yeah, you, you know, one theory is it could be some sort of ajami, like non-Arab stupidity, and somehow all the, you know, bid'ah police, they know what the deen actually is. Or what it could be is what? It could be an expression of this, Al-Mar'u Ma'aman Ahabba, that you start to love the Ahlullah so much that even in their shoes you see benefit. 
And uh, maybe another person might say, well, okay, Hamza, this is your kind of going overboard with this. And uh, I think you're exaggerating. I'll respond that maybe you, you know, your teacher's shoes weren't like that of mine because I felt love when I picked up the, the shoes of my mashayikh, my asatiza and my, my mashayikh uh, uh, and ahlullah. I felt, I felt so much uh, uh, warmth from touching their shoes and from carrying them. Just like Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala who must have felt for carrying uh, the shoes of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whoever can't touch the shoes of Mubarak na'alayna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, let them them carry the the shoes of the one who carried the shoes of the one who carried the shoes in a silsa connected to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Of course, knowing that no man is perfect or infallible after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but let them carry the shoes at least with the intention of what? With the intention of... Uh, uh, of, of, of what that if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is here I would have carried his shoes unfortunately there's an ilk of people in, in the ummah many of which have positioned themselves in leadership if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was here they wouldn't have carried his shoes and they would have objected to doing so and somebody like that has such a sickness inside of their heart uh, I don't know what to say and what to do except for to ask Allah's al-hadi to generate the hidayah from, from, from the ghayb and give to those people because I don't know if that person doesn't understand that. How can they understand anything else from Islam? Mulana Alimiya, Mulana Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi rahimullah ta'ala wrote in the life history of Hazrat Raipuri. Hazrat Raipuri is the sheikh of my sheikh. Um, Sayyid Nafis rahimullah ta'ala, Anwar Hussein Shah, uh, his Sheikh Mu'ana uh, Shah Abdul Qadir Raipuri was also the uh, uh, the the Sheikh of Mu'ana uh, Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimullah Taala. He's the Khalifa of Shah Abdul Rahim Raipuri, uh, who's uh, the Khalifa of Mu'ana Rashid Ahmed Gangohi Rahimullah Taala, who was mentioned earlier. Mu'ana Ali Mia Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahimullah Taala writes in the life history of Hazrat Raipuri that Hazrat Raipuri had such love for his Sheikh which consequently had a great deal to do with his own spiritual progress. Apart from his zikr, he was always in the service of his sheikh. He said, at midday when I put Hazrat to bed, I continued massaging his body late into the day until Hazrat used to say, Mulvi Saab, go and go go, go to sleep. Mulvi Saab, get up and go to sleep. Then I would lock the door and go to my sleeping place. Then it would come to my mind that perhaps some flies may have sat on his face to trouble him. This would make me get up again and go to him several times and check again and again until Zuhr. He also says, I never went to my Hazrat without being in the state of wudu and remained like that. Hazrat was always very kind with me. At times I would ask him, I have come for my own islah, my own rectification. Let it not be that Hazrat is so kind to me that because of uh, be, be, let it not that he be that he's so kind to me because he considers me unsuitable for 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 rectification that you're just being nice because you don't think I can handle the rectification. My sheikh would reply, "No, Mulvi Saab, I'm not indifferent to you. Meaning, I do have love for you." Then sometimes he scolded me heavily, even without cause. And afterward, look to see if the scolding had made any impression on me. Alhamdulillah, it had no bad effect on me. This is one of the things about the old mashayikh, Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala have mercy on them. They used to tolerate from their, uh, from their elders, they used to tolerate from their teachers, every now and then, some scolding and some difficulty. Nowadays, if you say something that somebody, uh, you know, just... Uh, 
tangentially uh, uh, knocks head with someone's preconceived notions or political ideologies or really their own touchy-feely, snowflakey nafs, that person will abandon you and they won't say salam to you again for years afterward. What can we say? What can we say? How are you going to get benefit? You honor your shaykh not because of who he is, but because of who he's connected to. If the person is connected to Rasulullah wasallam, he is the medium through which you're going to receive the fuyul and the barakat of the Prophet wasallam, both in external knowledge and in internal state. Uh, so if he does something against the sunnah of Rasulullah wasallam, uh, he should be reminded with love. And if he continues to do so, he should be abandoned. But as long as neither of those is the case, a person should treat their, their, their elders and their mashayikh with great love and with great respect. We have so many people, mashallah, just in the Chicago, mashallah, so many elders, Mawlana Aziz, Sheikh Amin, people like that. There are so many of them, you cannot name them. Uh, uh, somebody who, people who are upright people and people who have not brought shame or disrepute to the, uh, 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 to the to the to the knowledge either of tasawwuf or uh, uh, of deen, these people should be treated with with a great amount of respect, out of respect for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and so that someone can derive the fuyul and barakat of wahi that came on the noble heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's a lot more, and it's very interesting, but the the majlis has become long. And I don't want to make it long like it was yesterday again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us benefit. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq. If these uh, recordings benefit you and they, they uh, seem to be of any use to you, inshallah, then uh, please, uh, in, in these Mubarak hours of Ramadan, make dua that inshallah where we are in America, um, we, can, we can build madaris and build khanqas um, like this so that we can preserve or do our best to preserve the traditions of our elders and the traditions of our mashaykh that came before us and people are trying as well and their attempts are not perfect if you're not happy with other people's attempt then try yourself inshallah and fix whatever um, shortcomings you see in uh, other programs fix it do better yourself but don't be a hater uh, who uh, you know just armchair critics everybody else while living a life that's completely oriented toward paychecks and toward cars and Toward you know, mashallah, ten thousand dollar and hundred thousand dollar weddings and whatnot, and then just talk garbage about other people. Allah Taala protect us from those things. You know, this is a story. This entire this entire uh, uh, creation is a story that that was written by Allah Taala the day He created the pen and the tablet. Uh, you know, m- make sure that that uh, you know if you cannot be the main hero in it, at least don't be a villain. Inshallah, make dua in this Mubarak hour that Allah Taala uh, revive uh, this this tradition. Uh, amongst us and raise from amongst us people who can take it and people who can preserve it and people who can support it. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزِ وَصَلَى اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى وَسَلَّمَ عَلَى سَيِّدْنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ